show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining me on Turning the Moment into a Movement. I am Jay Love. Welcome. Um, for those who this may be your first time, I also represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Gerard is my son who was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he didn't do. He served two years in the Michigan Department of Corrections for that crime, innocent, and he went to prison. So um, because of that journey with Gerard, we created this platform called Turning a Moment into a Movement, where we come here and we educate our um, community about wrongful convictions, and we talk about injustice. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for those who may be watching on YouTube and Twitter and Spotify, and then thank you for those who uh, may listen um, later on um, on your favorite podcast platform. We're all on. We're basically on all of them. But just thank you because we really appreciate um, this. Um, you um, joining us and sharing the information because I remember when I first started this journey three years, almost four years ago. Um, there was no information. Um, I couldn't find a lot of information. So hopefully, you know, what we're doing will be uh, help to others. And also, if you want to reach us um, to maybe uh, join a panel for one of our discussions, or just to, um, if you want to share your story with us, you can reach us at turning a moment into a movement at gmail.com. Just uh, send us an email. If you want to talk to e uh, reach one of the panel members, turning a moment into a movement at gmail.com. Send us an email and we will um, connect with you. So um, today we just wanted to come in um, and uh, have a conversation really do a community check-in. Um, I know it's the holidays and especially for me, you know, Gerard passed away in June. And so Thanksgiving was a little bit hard for me. And then also in our community of advocates, uh, we have had some great losses. And so we just want to come in and just check in with you guys and send out love and words of encouragement today. So on that note, I'm going to bring in Revitia. Hello, Revitia. You're muted, Revitia. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jenny. I'm excited to, uh, to be here this evening and um, to take out time and and just to acknowledge that how grateful I am for you and your commitment and your walk and deciding to come on at a time when we really need to stay focused on our intention. Yeah. Um, you know, as an advocate in the community for social justice, 
um, executive board member for Michigan Coalition of Human Rights, owner of the Choice Zone and Michigan chair for G100 Oneness and Wisdom. I make it part of my life to make sure that I'm demonstrating that I walk with the spirit of humanity. Yeah. And today, when you said let's continue our schedule, I was, yes, 100%, as long as it was okay with you. Because I feel that right now, we need to continue the walk and to set our faces like a flint, focus, not turning to the right nor to the left, but knowing that there are answers and solutions and that the answer and the solution begins within. Mm -hmm. And then it permeates out and we have the conversations. We got to keep having the conversation, educating, empowering and uplifting people to walk in the path that we're supposed to be walking in. And that's a path of justice. Yes. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you're right, Rabatia. Um, sometimes we get distracted, you know, by all the other outside noise, but, you know, we have to bring it back in and stay focused because there's so much going on. And injustice don't take a day off. <laughs> there's always something going on. And so um, we have to um, stay, keep the focus and stay on track because if once we get off a of track, we, you know, we lose it. Yeah. So I see that Trisha is on, so I'm going to see if she's ready to come on and um, just to kick it with us a little bit. Greetings, Trisha. She's ready. <laughs> How y'all doing tonight? We're great. How about you, Trisha? I'm exhausted. Yeah. I am. I'm exhausted. Uh, my heart hurts. I don't want to feel right now, but I have no choice but to do so. Um, and I'm just, you know, just in a place of grieving alongside my community, you know. Yeah. There's uh, so much heaviness. Um, but even in the midst of the heaviness, there's always hope. Yeah. So that's what I hold on to, and that's what keeps me moving forward. Um, because you have to come to that resolve as an individual before you can arrive at something like that as a collective. And um, so that's why I'm here. I dozed off, y'all, so I apologize. I'm a few minutes late. I sat up here and I was like, all right, I'm be on time and I woke up the music was playing in the background I said oh lord you know <laughs> I had to get on because this platform is something that is very meaningful not just to me but to a lot of other people and I hold it in high value and I thank you Jay for always providing the platform and sharing a space for us to talk about whatever we need to talk about so thank yeah. you and that is why I am here I'm so glad you're here, Trisha, because, yeah, it's been a tough week. So I just want to, you know, to let my friends know, especially my friends at Michigan Liberations, that I really love them. Yeah. I'm standing with them. And all my friends, 
um, in this movement that um, we're standing with you. We love you and we support you. So Edward is on with us today. Hi, Edward. Hey, Edward. How are you guys? Hey, Edward. Hey, hey. It's, uh, it's nice to be here this evening. Um, it is and it isn't. Um, it is in that uh, we are here, you know, um, in spite of, uh, um, by the grace of God. And um, But it's kind of, um, as you mentioned, there are some, you know, feelings here that exist in terms of uh, people who are visiting um, a different world, a different reality now. And that visit is more permanent. Uh, it is absolutely permanent. Um, there are people who were just recently sharing this space on this earth with us that is no longer here. And um, we know that people are taking and trying to enjoy holidays. They are taking and trying to enjoy uh, the gathering of family and friends. And in the midst of this, uh, some family members are uh, missing uh, members of their family. We can take and try to have good and healthy relationships, but in spite of the fact that we may be making an effort to take and do that. Other people may not be in a space of a healthy relationship and they yeah. affect us all. They affect us all, whether they are in our homes or in our community. Um, when they are expressing their ill, it affects us all. And this is the case um, uh, with the loss of life last Saturday. Um, by um, a person that is part of our um, criminal justice um, um, abolition and reform um, community. This is a person that had been very active, um, and, and most people know him by Danny Boy. His name, I believe, is um, Danny Jones or Daniel Jones, but we all call him Danny or Danny Boy. Um, he's been home since about 2018, I think it was. And remind you, he spent all of his adult life in prison because he went to prison um, as a juvenile. He went to prison as a child um, under the age of 18. He came home um, um, having reconciled himself with the harm that he had caused before he went to prison and came home, nevertheless, advocating for those who may have committed harm in the past but who are taking an action for forgiveness and mercy and asking to take in, um, the society to take and right size its response, its um, um, punitive measures, judgment on people who have made um, mistakes and to not um, cause those people to take and be perpetually judged by the single uh, mistakes that they have made in their lives. And um, in the midst of uh, this, uh, he had lost his own life. But one thing for certain, this community, this community of uh, advocates, uh, organizations, et cetera, who are asking for um, this of our um, society, of our government, um, et cetera, we won't be among those who will come out after even a tragic incident like this. We won't be among those who come out and be advocating for more punishment, you know, for mandatory sentences, to lock them up forever. You know, we won't be um, them because we have hope. Even the person or persons who took this dear brother's life, we have belief that that person 
that done this or those persons are somebody. And we are hoping to take and realize that person's humanity. We hoping to take and see that person to be even redeemed from his or her uh, bad uh, behavior. So we won't be taking and joining those if someone think that now we have experienced some harm um, that we might take and change our position. Well, we once were the ones that was causing harm. And um, our community is full of harm. It's full of uh, 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 trauma. And, but we are still on the side of justice. Yeah. Justice warriors don't, don't take and become uh, um, swayed. Dr. King um, didn't give up his idea of um, nonviolence uh, uh, or passive resistance because um, someone attacked him personally, because his personal um, safety was in jeopardy, or because he was put in a jail cell. Um, neither he nor his disciples, and nor will we be. We won't be deterred. We won't be deterred. We will continue to take and advocate for right sides in terms of judgment. We will continue to take and believe in the redemption of the human being. And yeah. the person that done this, know that you have caused a lot. You have caused a lot of hurt. You have caused a lot of pain. And But we still believe that you are somebody. We still believe that you are somebody. You just need to take and believe that so you can dis discontinue and causing other people's harm and pain. You need to take and believe that, but we still nevertheless believe that you are somebody. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yes, Edward. <laughs> you know what? As a matter of fact, at the service the other night, I forgot who was speaking, but they said that Danny would be the one that would be at the front of the line advocating for those that caused harm even to him. Mm. And that right there, because when you think about it, somebody caused harm to you, you want that, you want that carceral system in place to render mm -hmm. the judgment, you know? Um, but, but those are some powerful words, Baraka. Yes. Yes. I was just talking, I think it was Beulah earlier, and I was telling her, um, you know, we have to also, when we talk about um, the system, we have to look at ourselves as well because we carry biases and we carry judgment. We carry those things as well that we also need to, you know, heal from. So, hey, Attorney Matt. Hey, well, happy and belated Thanksgiving to everyone. I apologize. I've had to switch to one of my underground secret bunkers in my line of work. So it took a little while to transfer my equipment. So, so I apologize, but God bless all of you. So good to see you. God bless you. Too. You're still on Max Street, man. I know where you at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Rock. But I know my secret is safe with you. <laughs> he on Mac Avenue, y'all. <laughs> and and, and Jay Love, hopefully before the show is over, you will let me get the opportunity to put another shameless plug for myself. But it's totally up to you. <laughs> I got you up there right now, Tony Mac. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Look here. 
when you find your hoopity on trouble and arrest boulevard drag push or tow that hoopity to mac street mac street park in my reserve parking lot for the depressed and distressed www.hmaclaw.com is your hookup hmaclaw.com is your hookup hmaclaw.com is your hookup given to you by the true king of harlem russia and scotland god bless you <laughs> So yeah, Tiny Matt, we were just talking about um, um, what's been going on in our community, um, the justice, the advocacy community lost two great justice warriors this week. And so we're just trying to, you know, send some love and support out there to everyone who are affected by this loss to send them some love and support. And then also for all of those who may be grieving a loss, not only, you know, sometimes the loss might not be a physical loss, but loss of a job or loss of a relationship or, you know, just grieving, you know, during this time of the holiday. We just want to send some love and support their way. Well, I have to ask my esteemed colleagues to please forgive me because I've really been so wrapped up in so many personal things. I haven't really been watching the news too much. Who who did we lose? Um, um, Baraka was just talking about one of the gentlemen, um, Daniel, Daniel Jones, and then also Michigan Liberations lost a great leader named Earl Burton. We haven't. Oh, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, yes. Um, yes, yes. And and we do. But, you know, Jay Love, I didn't ask if we could talk about this, but if it's okay somewhere in the broadcast, I want to talk about these elections uh, this couple weeks back with the House and the Senate changing into quote unquote Democratic hands and with the Democratic governor. And I really want to base off on the Democrats who have spoken so much about social justice and the right wing conservatives and conspiracy theories, which is true, but now they have an opportunity to pass sweeping legislative reform. And you know, I don't, I just want to say we tried so hard to get the restoration of good time on the ballot, uh, this, this November and fell short, but women rallied and I'm not being critical, but it's just the truth. When we had an opinion from the Supreme Court in June of this year, we had women and, and liberals and progressives all rally to put the issue of a woman's right to choose on that ballot. They only had a few scant months to do that, a few scant months to do that, and had more signatures to put that on the ballot than the history of the state of Michigan. No other referendum or constitutional amendment has ever garnered that, much, that, that, that many votes. Uh, you know, to put it on the ballot. So my question is, where are the progressive, the whites, the, the universalists, the egalitarians? Where are, where were they at when we was out there busting our behinds trying to put this issue on the ballot? They was noticeably absent. Okay, so anyway, so I guess I just feel somewhat pissed because people that say they're progressives, they can sure gather together when they want something, you know, uh, and the issue of a woman's right to choose, look, I respect that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the progressive white women and liberals 
that seem to pick and choose. And sometimes when we need them, I don't see them. So Trisha, uh, Tia, the rest of y'all, correct me because I'm easy to correct. Just show me where I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong at all. You're not wrong at all. As a matter of fact, I was talking about that to somebody. I, I call it selective, progressive activism. Because, <laughs> I like that. Because it's, it's and, and most of the time, it's reactive. And most of the time, folks don't stay the course. I mean, come on, when George Floyd was killed, the whole world stopped. Every Oh, my God, it was so horrible. It's still horrible. There have been more people murdered since George Floyd. We still don't have the George Floyd Act. We still have a president that will do everything else and write everything else in except the George Floyd bill. So all of this selective activism, for me, I think they don't understand the harm that that causes. Because when we need a united front the most, nobody's anywhere to be found. That's right. That's right. And you know, the governor and the state legislature they can put in the state equivalent of qualified immunity. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they, can. They, they can legislatively put in uh, uh, statutes for the restoration of uh, at least a, a degree, at least a degree of, of good time. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Mm -hmm. Yes, they can. You know, they can expand opportunities for parole. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. They can amend sentencings to not make some of these sentences so mandatory, so damn long. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. They can do things on the Sex Offender Registry Act to give people a fair opportunity to really fully reintegrate back into society instead of an arcane registry. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. They can restore a person with a criminal justice experience right to be on a jury. I have a criminal justice experience. As an attorney, I can pick a jury, but I can't sit on one. Now, what the hell is that? What the hell is that saying to me and everybody else? See, so now the Democrats talking about, you know, what is it, 40 years or something since this has happened? Okay, I'm, I'm a watching see, Gretchen, because black people put you behind, put your behind back in office. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Okay, so I'm watching. I'll be the first one with uh, Irvin or, or whoever it is, Senator is, and Jimmy Wilson and all them. They will be hearing from me. I don't want no BS no more because the Democrats have no more excuses. Okay? No more excuses. So uh, we're going to see. Yeah, and that's it. Now we will see that sometimes, even on this side too, that there is injustice. And I'll tell you, uh, actually, it's... Um, uh, he he's a state he's a commission he's going to be a commissioner in January, um, but Yusuf Rabi as a state representative wrote an immunity bill, and as a state rep, right? So again, it shouldn't take anything for these things now. When when they all take over in January, that should just be the stroke of a pen. That should just be let's just you know and it and it, and, and we need to put reparations before this body as well. We need to put right. reparations before this body. And then That's everyone right. will see for real. See, because at the end of the day, don't keep giving me entitlements, right? Or what you call entitlements or welfare. Give me something that's going to change my life for real. Give me something that will somewhat, 
because I don't think the playing fields will ever be leveled, but that would somewhat level the playing field, free education, free startup money for businesses, free. I mean, come on now, our native siblings get $30,000 a month, a year. Some of them just for nothing. They get gas uh, vouchers. They get health care. And I ain't talking about no Medicaid. Don't nobody want no Medicaid. We want top of the line health insurance. We want top of the line uh, uh, mental health care. Come on now. What is that? And I was going to do my doctorate in it, but I think I'm going into law. But post-traumatic slavery disorder, it is real. And if you don't believe it, look into all of our urban areas. Of <coughs> so there are things that we need and we don't want any more lip service. We want to get with those and work with those who are willing to give us what we need. But we ain't taking no more scraps. I know that's right, right you say. Hi, Shawana Vaughn. <laughs> Hi, everybody. How are you? It looks like you're on a plane. I'm on my way to you guys in Detroit. But I definitely agree with what Shay said um, about reparations. And I definitely think at this point, we need to have, um, you know, mental health services in the city of Detroit. And an office that serves um, minority mental health. Yes. Because mental looks different and as we've had a lot of special commissions and task force there has to be one for um, biopic mental health and we haven't seen what that looks like but with recent um shootings and 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 things that have happened and just waking up is trauma and we need to address that and that also today looks like reparations Mm-hmm. to condemn neighborhoods. And how about we don't want no more task force? <laughs> how about we over all these task force? Every time you, we ask for some, we we the only ones that got to get a task force. <coughs> Other people get, I didn't see when they, um, remember when they had a flood and the dam broke? I didn't hear them do no no task force, no nothing, no measurements. They they gave those people, they got them together, right? But when we ask for something, it got to be a study and a task force, and it got to be a whole. Come on, study. That What is it, HB something, where they did the reparation study? No, come on. You don't need to study that. You know what we need. We know what we need. Listen and run that. Right. I'm over the whole studies and task force that take 25 years, and your, and then your grandkids and your great-grandkids still can't even get anything. We're over that. And, and so, no more executive orders either. Right. We Absolutely. Want, right. She, Gretchen got now everything that she needs to make some stuff happen. Let's right. make it happen. And, 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 and can, I, can, I, can I interject one point, J-Love? Can I interject yes. one point? Let us not forget the Michigan Supreme Court. Okay? Let us not forget now. Okay? Now, the woman... Uh, 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 Kara Harris Bolden um, uh, uh, was uh, was a state representative. Ran her and Bernstein ran together. You know, two Democrats. Well, you know, Bernstein won, uh, but then Zahara got the second highest votes, and there was only two vacancies on the court. So Kara Harris, as you sure you all, I, I believe Kara Harris Bolden is the name. I, I apologize if I if I'm That's saying right. it wrong, but. 
you know the, the the political move that was shot, and I'm sure you all know this, Bridget McCormick is stepping down from the Supreme Court. She's the chief justice of the Michigan Supreme Court. She's right. stepping down and putting Kara Harris Bolden in to replace her. So it is still going to be that four-three majority on the Michigan Supreme Court. And I'm and I'm proud and happy for the first time that I know of, there's a black woman on the Michigan Supreme Court. I don't believe a black woman has ever been on the Michigan Supreme Court. So I'm happy for that. But other than the skin tone, okay, I've gotten past the skin tone and the gender, okay? Like I'm 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 over that already. Like like my good friend Sam Riddle would say, I'm over it already. So let's see what this young black woman is going to do because you've got criminal justice reform issues that will be coming before that Supreme Court that will address the expanding right of police to the detriment of the man and woman on the street in terms of their civil and constitutional rights. So let's see what that 4-3 majority is going to do when it comes to protecting people who look like us. So like yeah. I said, I'm past the gender, I'm past the skin color, I'm past you're gonna have a baby in a few months thing. I'm past that already. <laughs> already. <laughs> hey, I'm from the I, just play like I'm from the show me state. Just play <laughs> me like I'm from the show me state. I need you to show me. Right. That's right. You know. <laughs> we ran on it. Um, we're gonna have to take Gretchen back to what she ran on. She ran on that. She ran on reforms. I followed her. I went to those classes. I mean those those, all the reform meetings that they were have, mm -hmm. they were having all over the state of Michigan. They was traveling from the top to the bottom. So mm -hmm. for years, now you got the even playing field. You can put um, second look legislation into it. That's, you that's can, right. That, you can get rid right. of this right to work state if you want to. That, that's right. That's right. That's you right. Get rid of that. But it's you know the problem with... Go ahead. The problem with us is she came to the churches, she came to the Nas concert, she went to the, but guess what? We didn't get what we came for because when she went to everybody who don't look like us, they got what they wanted. Quick pro pro. And we allowed her to come in churches and make a donation and we got nothing. And that's why we get nothing. And we're not holding her feet to the fire because they come, they say sorry, they play with criminal justice, and they give us nothing. They give us nothing. They give, they give two or three of us seats, and they feel like that's enough. And they give you just enough seats to make you feel as if, but they put patsies in those seats that do nothing for us. And just because you look like me, don't mean you're for me. And I had enough of, uh, listen, we got we got a, we got two or three people on twelve boards and twelve seats, and they mean us no earthly good. I've had enough of that. Mm -hmm. She puts people on these commissions, and she thinks that's enough to make all black people happy. Unequivocally, not. Mm -hmm. So I want to see what she does in these four years, because guess what? She can do anything for us in the first four. <laughs> You're right, Sharana. You're right. Ravitia, go ahead. Yeah, you know, that that is so right. And I just think that because we're so used to the way, 
people allow it because we've gotten conditioned to it. And so, and so people don't even expect her to come through. They expect for people to showboat in front when it's time to, to have an election. And, and we're so easily entertained that we get all hyped up, tied up and entangled into the hoopla of things. And then when it's over, it's like we just watched a big basketball game and the score was tied. And then we saw who won and we just try to see if we're on the winning side. But see, division is so sneaky. And that's what we need to be careful of are the divisive measures that happened within our community. And go back and check those measures. Check to see when, how we were easily divided. And the reason why it's so easily done because it's easy, it's gonna be Democrat against Republican. Pick a side, pick a side. It's not, nobody's going for a humanitarian ticket. Nobody is standing for righteousness just all the way. Pick a side and let's see who wins. So, so many people are just all up into the winningness of things instead of saying what's the right way mm -hmm. what's the right way for this particular bill or for this particular way how are we serving humanity and so we haven't even gotten to that because we're so easily entertained and then it's easy why because we're, it's, we've been divided for such a long time black white divided Whose side are you on? Whether it's religion, which religion, which who, which God are you serving? And God can't be divided. We are we got caught up in ignorance. And then it's okay because we're used to the game. We're used to getting excited and then bringing it down. And then we forget about what happened. We forget about George Floyd. We forget about all the people who have died and were killed. We forget what happened because we don't see the secret behind being separate. Mm. And until we wake up and understand, and I know that my word says I'm never separated. And I know that's not the only word that says it, but I understand that I'm not separated. I understand through my ancestors that I'm not separated. I understand through my heritage and through my own rights and through every single history that is true history, I understand that I'm not separated from the earth. I'm not separated from anything that God has created. And if you understand that, you won't stop seeing answers and solutions for our community. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And Jay Love, if, if if I could just say this quickly, oh, yeah, one thing we got to start, one thing we got to start doing is, you know, Dr. King said, you know, we can diversify ourselves into oblivion. Mm -hmm. Okay, in other words, we can have so many other people in the name of diver. You know, y'all y'all be careful about that word diversity now. Y'all 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 be careful now. Be, be be careful now. You know, so because you, you you could end up with diversity, the equivalent of an open manhole any damn thing can come in okay and 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 so what i'm saying is and i'm sorry i i just got to be for real in terms of uh some of our hispanic brothers and sisters particularly cubans okay you know i mean you know every, no, nobody is monolithic okay all hispanics latins are not are mon we're not black people aren't monolithic i'm not saying that we should be but i'm just letting you know 
there are people, particularly in Florida, I don't know if y'all was following them elections in Florida or not, but you have ever-increasing amount of Cubans, people that have been able to stand up and talk about we oppressed, we the Marielle boat people. Y'all remember that, Barack? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? We, uh, Tia, you know, you know, uh, uh, my sister Tasha is so young, but I'm sure she, 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 she know all that. These people have reaped fantastic benefits with open arms as refugees because they came from what they call a communist repressive regime uh, under Fidel Castro. Well, what I'm saying is when you look at Marco Rubio, he'll stand up and brag in a minute how his people from Cuba and came and got all these benefits. But these people have become increasingly, increasingly more Republican in leaning. So we yes. need to be very careful about people that we letting all up in our tent because they coming up in our tent, getting the benefits of our struggle and then going back today, today, uh, election denying selves and, and playing that skin game thing on us. So, you know, we, we just, the older I get, the more selective I get with people that I consider in my circle. And I'm so past the skin test or the skin acceptance. Uh, it's light years behind me. Exactly. Uh, Edward, go ahead. I appreciate uh, what is being said. And uh, I would like to add to this what I would like, what would be on my wish list, or my wish of uh, 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 desire in terms of uh, achievement, if we can take and have a legislative body here in Michigan that will begin to take and legislate laws that are relevant to the populace as opposed to taking and pushing the issues to the court to make the tough decisions. They are a legislative body and I hope to start seeing the legislative make those tough decisions instead of passing them on to the legislature, I mean to the courts. And I would like to take and see the courts. I don't know if you guys know, but each court has a different criteria for why and what it hears. The Michigan Supreme Court, for an example, is supposed to hear issues that address our legislative laws, you know, its interpretation, you know, um, whether or not it undermines the legislative scheme and the Constitution, whether or not things violate the Constitution. And those things that are important to the whole judiciary of the state of Michigan, meaning to all of the courts within the state. But somehow the only issues that seem to get to the Michigan Supreme Court normally involve white folks' property, okay? White folks' property. All the rest of the social issues that we normally take and bigger and fight with below, they never find their way up to the Michigan Supreme Court. We would hope that this so-called democratic majority will begin to take and write the criteria of what's heard in that court so we can have issues that affect the majority of us heard within the court. And um, again, as I mentioned with the legislator, is that they begin to take a start in issues, tough issues, not worried about whether or not deciding this or voting this way or that way will get them thrown out of office. Have some backbone. We don't send you to all sure you we you win. We send you to office to make sure you serve us. And even exactly. if you don't win that position, we'll find a way to put you somewhere if you take and have some damn backbone. Now, what I would like to take and see in terms of so-called criminal justice reforms, I, I, I love the idea of abolition, so we can quit going around in circles following our tail, okay? 
But one of the things that I would like is that we quit creating poverty. And we do that by taking and we tell those who are being who, who are incarcerated that they can't even open up a bank account, that they can't even save their money. They can't take and have a savings account. So by the time they come out of prison after serving 10, 15, 20 years, they haven't saved a dime. They cannot take and have the money to take and go look for a job or to take and have the first three months for rent or to take and be able to buy a car that will get them to and from uh, um, an employment because we tell them that they cannot account. There's a directive that tells everyone within the Department of Correction, you are not to take and assist anyone that is a resident in the Department of Correction, MDOC, will open up a bank account. And in fact, you're supposed to discourage them to take and have one and tell them to close that account. They do that to, so that they can arbitrarily and capriciously grab money from prisoners when they want it. When it's in a bank, they have to do like everybody else. They have to go to court and they have to fight for the money that they claim that belong to them. But those are the rights that they feel that belong to the rest of the population, but not those that are incarcerated. But it doesn't serve the rest of the population because this population come back home in poverty. They come back mm -hmm. home with their hands out. The other concern that I have is if that if we're not going to at least pay these people even a minimum wage for their work in prison, where we only giving them nickels and dimes for our work, etc., mm -hmm. at least give them the credit from their mm -hmm. social security. Yeah. So when you when you when you do like what the Detroit police chief say, lock them up forever, for always, with mandatory sentence and all that stuff. So when you take his advice and you hold people in prison for 20 and 30 and 40 years, at least let them gain their social security credit. So when they come out here, they're not on welfare. They can use their own social security credits and be able to retire when they're supposed to retire. Otherwise, you in, you endorsing that clause in the 13th Amendment that say except those who are convicted and sentenced. Okay, so that's my other concern on that regard. And I still got a few more, so don't don't get up and go for popcorn or, or, or pop or anything. I still got some damn more. <laughs> all right. Uh, and, and, and we can probably consider getting rid of the parole board. We all agree that it doesn't take and serve any purpose. If you look at every governor in the state of Michigan for about the last 50 years, more or less, every governor that came in and literally tweak the parole board like that was a like that was a fix one person add three people another person take three people's off come in add seven people another one take and say oh it's under the jurisdiction of of the governor or another one say no it's under the is a civil service on board those are not reforms those right. these are passive things that you are doing to speak to your political party we need something to take and speak to the safety and welfare of the state of Michigan. And one way of doing that, being that we know that parole doesn't work, it actually interferes with those who are re-entering back into society. What we need to do is abolish the parole system. And the monies that we are putting in paroles, we should put into re-entry. Because mm -hmm. that's the objective of what you're trying to do with parole, and you're not doing it. Because you got the same correction officers 
the transfer from the prison to the parole system, and they are still policing these guys. They try to get a job, and they say, you can't have that job. You know, you can't get a truck driving job because you can't go out of the jurisdiction of the parole agent. Okay, all of these things create more obstacles. They get a new technology and say, hey, we want to put that on your leg and then have you to pay for it coming out of prison where you can barely get a job to pay you a minimum wage. They then added on to it another expense where they didn't get rent from you while you was back there. Now they're taking and saying that, hey, we want you to pay for this device. And every time you show up at our office, which is every time you come, we want drug tests and we want you to pay for that drug test. This stuff is ridiculous. It perpetuates poverty. It perpetuates conservatism. Yeah. So what we need is to do away with this parole system and create a reentry system that would take and give a person a real footage a foot in getting back into society that should be our objective to return that person back to the status of a citizen of yes. a citizen this shouldn't be no damn slogan of returning citizen it should be real everything that you give an immigrant people say well what do a person need when they come from prison what do you give an immigrant when he or she get here that's what a prisoner a returning citizen needs what do you give a person when they come back from war? The same thing. They need mental health and housing, uh, uh, access to med medical care. The same thing. Uh, they don't need where They just need a decent opportunity. So those are some of the things that I will hope. And remember, those who have been incarcerated, you've seen the numbers of people that participated in the elections. The two men that we are celebrating lives that just recently passed. Both of those men were involved in taking and educating formerly incarcerated individuals mm -hmm. of their right to take and participate in the democratic process. Yeah. They were taking and going out and registering people to vote. I'm here in Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor area. I went with a, a, a candidate for office where she was receiving an award and the gentleman that just got killed he was there getting an award. Danny was getting an award for his taking and educating formerly incarcerated people. This man lived back in Detroit. They was recognizing him here in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti because the same thing he was doing in Wayne County, he doing in Washtenaw County. And the same thing he doing in Washtenaw and, 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 and Wayne County, he was doing it in multiple counties. Yeah. You see people from all over the state of Michigan showed up in that little bitty church the other day in Detroit. They were from every county within the state of Michigan. These are people who he was taking and registering to vote. The same thing can be said about Earl. Earl in this before that gentleman got out of prison. Okay? So these are two returning citizens. So if you're in office right now, there's a real pretty good chance, like 99.9% <laughs> a chance that these gentlemen took and registered somebody to vote for your ass. And you, yes. For your ass. <laughs> so you remember that when you sit down and start legislating laws, we are at the polls. All that stuff that those of us out there protesting don't go to the polls. Well, guess what? On election night, even though I had already voted, the only people that was contacting me telling me, hey, go out and vote were people who had, that had lived experience people who had been in prison before. 
I had got more than a dozen telephone calls from people who had served time in prison telling me to go out and vote. And I'm telling all of them, hey, I've already done it. And they're all giving me thumbs up. So if you don't believe that these people vote, you screw up and see how quick we get your ass out of office. You do that. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> You're right, uh, Edward. Um, I saw that Danny was all over the place. And and oh. and Earl, I I mean, I met, I remember the day I met Earl, and um I was with um Allie when I first met him. And we talked like we knew each other forever. And he would call me with people of wrongful prevention people. He would call me and say, hey, I have a person that I want you to talk to, you know? So you're right. They were really out here, you know, working, especially that Oakland County. They was, he was really uh, out there working out there. So people don't, they, we had to let go of the stigma and the biases about people that uh, are, have been incarcerated because there's yeah. a lot of them are really out here doing a lot of this justice work for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, Jay Love, can I just give a short story that, that, oh, yeah. that, that, that doves tails into what Brock was talking about? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, I have a relative of mine <clears throat> that was released uh, this month from the Michigan Department of Corrections. Okay had spent uh, decades, decades um, within, within the apartment, uh, a Vietnam vet, you know, uh, and came out and could not get anything for a driver's license, a bank account, anything, because they refused to accept a prisoner ID from the Michigan Department of Corrections. And when you are incarcerated, your prisoner ID, see, Barack will laugh and smile because he know what I'm talking about. Your prisoner ID is your passport. It is your driver's license. It is your naturalization papers. It is everything. It is a statement by the state of Michigan. This person whose picture is here is the person whose name is underneath this picture. We give full faith and credit to this state-issued ID. And when you have a person coming out from incarceration, that state-issued ID don't mean a damn thing. It don't mean nothing. He tried to go to get a driver's license because he'd been in there for almost 40 years and don't know where his old license is. Well, this is not good enough. Why? It was good enough to mandate a man's incarceration for damn near 40 years without question. But when you come out, you talk about being discriminated against the same ID that was used to legitimize my incarceration. Now that I'm quote unquote free, this is somehow null and void. Like I took a crayon and some construction paper and just started writing some stuff on it. So what I'm saying is when I hear Barack talking, the man speaks the absolute truth. Y'all speak the absolute truth because there is tremendous discrimination in hell. When a man has been gone for several years, they don't know what a birth certificate is unless grandmama got it in a Bible somewhere or something like that. You know, they, they, they don't know what a driver's license is. You know, they, all these records have been lost and destroyed. So it's always infuriating to me to see how the state will give the sanction to this is Hugo Mack, 232506, 
and mm -hmm. ain't, ain't nobody questioned that. But then when Hugo Mack comes out with that same state ID, this don't mean nothing. So that's part of discrimination that free world people just don't understand. It's hell acclimating out here. It is. Even with support groups, it's hell. You know, and so, uh, you know, and some people were back to crime because they say, what the hell? I mean, I, th you're not giving me no chance. So, you know, I got to survive some way. I'm not sanctioning that, but I'm just trying to be for real, you know. Yeah. Trisha. So much has been said, and I think um, what what Baraka said was just absolutely powerful. Um, as a matter of fact, a friend of mine were just was were speaking about when people come home, you know, how we're looking at reentry, you know, and looking at the parole board. A friend of mine is getting ready to go up before the parole board. He was a he wasn't a juvenile lifer. What do they call them? The parolable lifers or whatever, um, where they had a second degree. Um, but he went in mm -hmm. as a 16 year old. And um, and so he's going before the parole board. Um, now with a good chance looking like to get out with the new legislation changes. Um, but before then, the parole board just flopping him, wouldn't even see him every five years, stamping a file. So we stepped up like, hey, what what's going on here? Like, wh why hasn't he had a parole hearing? And, you know, and again, see, then that makes the difference when you don't have nobody advocating and asking questions and, and poking the bear for you things can just go to the left very quickly. So what they said was that he is a menace. Now I got this in the email that this man is a menace to society. And we believe that he, if we let him out, he will reoffend. Okay. Let's unpack that. Right. Because now that's the parole board. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the parole board, the MDOC, like they work together, right? Okay, so why did they administer a test in MDOC to see if this man would reoffend? And he, it was like 0.001% chance of right. him reoffending. So y'all sitting up here holding this man, not even giving him a parole hearing because you said that he could possibly be a menace to society. But on the right hand, y'all saying, oh, this guy is a great candidate for parole. That's right. All of these right. intentional barriers. That's all I heard when Baraka was talking. Intentional barriers that have been put in place where now we supposedly have a legislature that can take and move all of that right out of the way. Mm -hmm. there, there's mm -hmm. no reason why we should not have good time. I was going to say that. There's no reason why the wick of the wrongful imprisonment compensation act shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be made better. Right. Uh, there, there's no reason why all of these key things that we've been talking about and that Baraka has stated, they should be happening on day. You know how Ellie went in on day one, bless his heart. And he boy, he, he bam, bam, like he was playing spades. Right. Well, that's what we need to see on day one in this legislature. They know what that's the right. needs are. People been pounding right. the pavement for good time. It, 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 right. I mean, yeah. good time should be the first thing. That they do. There are many things that we need, but good time should be one of the first things. Right, right. Trish, if, I, if I may add this, uh, if we really want to be a, a, a competitive state, and if we really want to take and do criminal justice reform, 
it will be like literally, literally more, you know, like a corporation go in and downsize. We need to downsize the Department of Correction. This, the Michigan Department of Correction is the single largest yes. employer in yeah. the state of Michigan. It has replaced the General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. Mm -hmm. Okay. The MDOC has replaced the General Motors, Chrysler, and Ford. Right. Period. Okay. The MDOC is the single largest employer in Michigan. If the MDOC was to close in the Upper Peninsula, you would have an economic disaster in the UP because they have no economy. The economy is all built and based around corrections. They live off the misery downstate. Okay. White folks, you know, like almost all white uh, um, state police um, force on the freeway. Um, and then even our white thinking brothers and sisters inside of these um, police departments, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, remember, what we like, like this issue around surveillance. I got a gentleman that I know from U of M. He's a PhD uh, uh, um, candidate. I put in a, a, um, a link there where he interviewed people here in the city of Detroit and organizations where he asked them, what make you feel safe? Is it the green lights? Is that what you guys want to um, do? And he said that they took and told him that, hey, we don't want to be we don't want to be watched we want to be seen but not watched and they said the type of things that's going to make us safe you know some of the things he told me i literally was in tears of some of the conversations that he said he had with detroiters about how unsafe they feel the gentleman that we're talking about was killed up on the cameras there are cameras all over the place we are told they're looking at the cameras and trying to figure out what they mean all that stuff about they got immediate feed to the police station yeah when they get to it they'll look at it <laughs> but mm -hmm. the, the feed may have been there <coughs> but they wasn't there <coughs> they wasn't on the camera but we need to downsize we need to take and make this department of correction three times as smaller than what it is and to do that we have to admit that we're locking up people's unnecessarily that's what we found in the department in, in, in the county jails. We found out here in the county jails in the state of Michigan that most of the people that was going in and out of our county jails should the legislator never even intended for them to be there. They never intended for a person that wasn't paying child support or a person that failed to take it appear for a traffic court violation be put in the county jail or a person that have outstanding traffic tickets. You know things that 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 require civil uh, 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 um, citations that people will actually be jailed for these type of things. People who are not considered to be a threat to the public be given all kind of exorbitant bails and and allow bail bondsmen uh, or, or women's to come in and charge people hundreds of thousands of dollars that they can get out on jail for that. All had nothing to do with the criminal justice system. All this had nothing to do with making the people safe. It's all about business. We need to take and decide that if we want to encourage businesses to come to Michigan, then Michigan residents have to be free. They can't see a large part of the population in prison and the other part that isn't in prison are all got tags on them to say formerly incarcerated, which means that you can't be employed. Okay, this is a significant number of people. 
So if we worried about why our damn cost of living is so high and why we can't get quality companies and businesses and services and manufacturers here in the state is because of what we have brought into to be dangerous. You know, we literally believe that we live in, in, a, in, in, a, in a, I mean, an extremely dangerous environment. Most of what is dangerous for us is what our government is creating. Mm -hmm. It's what our government is creating. I tell you, you can't have a bank account. I tell you, you can't have a savings account and keep you in prison for 20 years. I say that you can't, you can work every day in the prison, but you can't have any credits towards your social security. This is poverty you creating. This is crime you creating. You are creating recidivism. I give you a parole officer that takes, and most guys that's doing these serious offense, the average is doing two years on parole. But when you talk about parole and stuff like that, those guys do four years on parole. They do four years. They come out and you got a person literally running around telling you what kind of jobs you can and you can't have. You know, that it screws up our economy. You yeah. living in it? If if we were reading about this, that it was going on in Russia somewhere, we'll be like, wow. If we were told this would go on in Saudi Arabia somewhere, we'll say, wow. Well, they we read the things about what Saudi women's can't do. Well, Michigan men's can't do it, particularly if they black men. They can't do it. <clears throat> they can't drive. Okay. Mm -hmm. They can't have accounts. Okay. So if you want to talk about Saudi women's, put this story alongside of that conversation about not allowing Saudi women's to take and uh, um, do things without their, their male family members. Well, damn, you can't do it without your male family members here in Michigan if you're black or if you've been to prison before. It's the same damn scenario. And mm. thank you. So two things I want to say. One of the things that Barack brought up about the um, surveillance, the, the green light, um, Danny being murdered in a place where it had a green light. I was listening to another podcast platform and it had an um, ex-Detroit police officer on there. And basically he was saying that those green lights, that surveillance that they put up made the city like a drive-through city. Like they're not policing. You know, they just... They're they're dependent on the on the on the cameras, so the city has become like a drive through. So and people know that you know they're not doing police work anymore. And so then you get these these things that's happening, like with the young lady with the mental health thing, and they do they're so agitated they're just running in and shooting and killing people, you know. And so you had that. That was one of the things I wanted to add on. And the other thing, um, Baraka, you brought up was um when you're talking about the um i lost my thought that's that quick um <laughs> but it'll come back to me but yeah so that one thing about the the drive-through state the heavy surveillance like we have been programmed that these things is going to make us safe the shot fire you know you got the cat the speakers in the sky that's supposed to be listening to where the shots come from these are reactive tools that we are paying for, that we are counting on to keep us safe. Reactive, when we can have more proactive programs. We've seen a proactive program on 
uh, was that last week, Reverend Tia, or the week before when they were going out and doing mental health um, um, yes. Yeah, at mm -hmm. advocacy in the in the neighborhoods. They were checking on people. They were talking to people. Mm -hmm. They were getting to know those people in those areas, so they know who needs what. You know, those proactive kind of things. You know, when we're spending eight and ten thousand, ten million dollars for speakers, we could have programs like that that will be active in the community. That will be more hands on instead of looking at these re reactive things that are not keeping us safe. It's just making somebody else a millionaire, you know, but these speakers and, and cameras and all kinds of things are not solving crime and they're not preventative. I think Bueller uh, has said that actually crime has went up 30% since those cameras in, was installed. And so it goes back to what that guy said, the city is like a drive-through, you know, they're, they're just driving through. I mean, you got to consider every time they're spending more and more money on some type of electronic or technology to aid in policing. And that's not where we need the help at. Um, it is well known that policing, I mean, just look at the protocols. We don't, and then in, in some areas like Trisha was talking about and Baraka, that we don't have protocol. We don't have a protocol that is established for everybody that's established so that you know, you, that it really reflects justice. So if the system really doesn't reflect justice, you know, it's up to us to say, this isn't really doing what it's supposed to do. Is the system doing what it's supposed to do? If crime has gone up, is the technology doing what it's supposed to do? Crime has gone up, it, you know. No, is anybody, is there a deterrence against it? Because you have all this in place? Right. You know, and no one's, no one's addressing the trauma that, that people have gone through the last couple of years combined with the stigma for mental health, combined with criminalization of, of, for poverty. When you criminalize poverty and, and when a person can't pay tickets, doesn't have enough for, for um, insurance, and now they're criminals because of that, then you ignore the true criminals that are stealing from the top and the mm -hmm. bottom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we're paying for all this technology for police to do their job. So what's their job? There's no protocol. And what is amazing to me is that you will have businesses that will, will really champion diversity, equity, and inclusion and really talk about how can we be more equitable. You have companies that really strive to say, okay, I'm really concerned about mental health in the company. And if you have money, oh, we're concerned about your mental health when you have money. But what about those people who aren't um, rolling in a lot of money? Then you're not really concerned about it, but then you want them to work. Mm -hmm. And then we got to consider also the fact that, and, and this I'm saying these things is because I need people to wake up to understand where we need to concentrate our efforts. Because it is difficult to relinquish slavery here in America. I don't care if you're in the North or the South. Slavery is still here. Whether you voted for it or not, it's still in existence, even in the Michigan prison, MDOC. We don't want to let slavery go because corporations still profit off of people because they don't have to pay for their labor. Right, exactly. 
So it's still here. So I'm asking people to check your mind and ask yourself, have I joined in this colonization effort? Mm. Because when you sit back and you can uh, allow this to continue on and for people to be criminalized because they don't have economic stability, you are a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And you do have a mind that is colonized and you have joined the slave owners. Yes. So at the top mm -hmm. of these, corp these um, prison system are slave owners. And and stop acting like it's not. Yes. And you just reminded me where I wanted to say Baraka was uh, talking about the prisons up north that rely on prisoners. They rely. There was a town up north uh, a couple of years ago that the prison closed and the people, it was the whole town relied on this prison. You know, it was the only job there and the people, there wasn't the numbers wasn't there and they were so upset. Nobody was celebrating that they're not, the numbers are not there. We have less people coming into the prison. All they were thinking about like, hey, where are we going to work at? How are we going to eat? We need this prison to be open because that's how we eat. And until we make it where it's not profitable, the whole community doesn't depend on you. Like Baraka has said about, you know, it's being the number one employer of the state. It is. When it's not the number one employer of the state, then we can look at ways that we can get justice but when and, and reforms and change. But when we have the number one employer who everyone eats off of, <laughs> they eat mm -hmm. off the crime and constantly, and they're constantly changing laws and constantly making new um reasons why you're going into this system you know these things are the cycle will continue so that's why you have so many guys you just they're saying crime going up because there are so many in there in jail because they can't pay child support or they don't have a license is that in the crime numbers you know so um i don't know attorney matt Look, I don't mean to add another three or four logs onto this fire, but look, maybe we throw some logs on the fire, we burn some of the mother scratches up. You know what I'm saying? Because one of the problems we also have is, uh, I, you know, John Engler was not just a wrong man. John Engler and people supporting him was an evil man. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. This is the man who said of other human beings, remember, other human beings, within the Michigan Department of Corrections, I would stack them like cordwood if I could. Just, mm. just think about that. I would stack them like cordwood if I could. He's the one that changed the parole board from a civil service position to political appointments, okay? He's the one that brought in the mantra with the parole board, life means life. It does not. It does not. A person get life with the possibility of parole, okay? With the possibility of parole. So a lot of things that happened that we fell asleep at the switch on or didn't care, you know, you cannot appeal a denial of a parole. Okay? You cannot appeal the denial of parole. You are just SOL. However, 
as happened to uh, a relative of mine. They earned a parole two years ago, scored like 16 on the uh, on the grid sheet, the protocol, and, and three was high probability of parole, like a 16, earned a parole. The prosecutor in that particular county was so vindictive, they petitioned under the law, the circuit court, to veto or overturn the granting of that parole. That was done under the law because the law says they can do that. And a circuit court judge reversed the parole. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. When I was remanded to the Department of Corrections, I was supposed to remand it to people who would be in the best position to watch me, to judge me, to assess me, to evaluate me, and ultimately make a decision in their subjective minds whether or not I was fit to be returned to society. That is the division of government mm -hmm. that was given that task. Not a circuit court judge, not a county prosecutor, not some citizens league, but the Department of Corrections. So when the Department of Corrections and their quote unquote expertise says, this person is qualified for a parole, why the hell do we have laws on the books that say a prosecutor who could be vindictive 10, 15, 20 years later can come and approach a judge, scared a woman's group or, or, the, or the civil league or whatever it is going to get on his or her behind, can go and veto that when they know nothing about that individual for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. So, you know, there's always a recourse against somebody getting a parole, but a person denies a parole has no recourse at all. That's under the law, folks. So I'm throwing that on, on the fire, too. All you good Democrats, all you card-carrying ACLU people, all you Freedom Justice League, you know, Captain America, Throw His Mighty Shield, all, all y'all. I'm putting this stuff in front of y'all. Jimmy Wilson, God bless you. It's going to be in front of you, okay? You know, uh, so, you know, we, we just got to put them laws on the fire. Something got to burn. Yes. So when we're, you know... Um... Danny and Earl gave us a blueprint for service. They gave us a blue, and it's up to us to pick up that blueprint and follow in their footsteps. They were, mm -hmm. you know, we can't, you know, we have to ask. <laughs> we have to ask. We can't just go to the parties and take selfies and hang out with the governor and don't ask for nothing. We have to make a request. We, it is the right time. <laughs> this is our time to shine. And if we don't- We're make... gonna see <laughs> if it's the right time. Right. Well, <laughs> that's, it's the right time. <laughs> and, and it's time for us to hold them accountable. You know, we could do that. You know, we have to, we have the power. We are the people is where the power lies. And so this is what we have to do. We have to get up and utilize our powers. We have to stand up. We have to ask. We have to get in touch with people. We might have to email, write letters, whatever we have to do, stand, uh, protest, whatever to get these things done. Good time should be a no brainer now. Good time should be a no-brainer now. You know, all these things that we've been asking for, we have to make it happen. We can't accept their excuses right now. Right now, there's no excuse. What, January? 
January 5th. We had to hit the ground running. People have died. <laughs> let me say something about the good time, if I may. Remind you this. Michigan had a very long history of taking and following the social sciences and trying to take and guide how it taken shape for MDOC. And we had, uh, uh, we had uh, 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 Mongo, I hate Mongo pretty much, that wanted to take and get into public office. And he found an easy target. And that was to go after the Department of Correction and to go after the release of prisoners, which we'd have pretty much created like a political boogeyman about the return of people from the inside back to the outside. And the stigma, you know, it's like a, it's, it's a subliminal argument that is being carried on because it goes back to slavery. Because the idea was, was that if we couldn't take and have them on the plantation, then we are locked them up for the rest of their lives. And we'll find ways and means within that department to, to turn it into the new industry of slavery. And anyone that comes out of that is not fit. They created a propaganda around that, just like they created a propaganda around kidnapping people from the African continent. They took and said, that, hey, they didn't have a religion. They didn't have a culture. Um, they didn't have any of that. When in fact, they were stealing people that was on their way to and from school in Timbuktu, which is the first university in the damn world. Okay. <laughs> and um, and they made it illegal for them to read and write. So that goes back to uh, um, Trish and others' argument for restitution. You took a people that was, you, you literally created a law. You created a death penalty to even allow them to come to read and write. Okay, there's a death penalty that was tied to them becoming literate. And then you think that there's no need for any restitution. But in any case, <laughs> I don't get off my point. We were talking about good times. Mm -hmm. We had an individual that wanted so bad. Not only did he go after the Department of Correction and argue about the good time, which literally he pushed against all of the social science that said that, hey, if you award people, they will take and behave well, okay? He went against that with a fear mongrel, became a fear mongrel, okay? He began to take and utilize, because the media played into it. Every time there was a crime committed, and if it was committed by a person that had been previously incarcerated or on parole or anything, he made an argument out of that. But it was a good argument to make, because you're going to always find people that was getting out of prison. And there was a, a significant number of people that commit crimes again because, you know, we got all kind of barriers up that continue to perpetuate crime. OK, that part of the story isn't told. But in any case, this man was so extreme, not once, <clears throat> but twice he put the death penalty on Michigan's ballot. And he was using his argument, his extreme argument to take and bring about death penalty. It didn't work, but the stigma of good time did work and it's still here with us. Mm -hmm. It's still here with us. And so repudiating his argument, repudiating his, uh, um, his going around the mud slanging and everything, <clears throat> the only way we correct that is we go back to this. We go back to what actually worked it. This worked it better for us than not having it because not having it means that we done blowed up from a system when i went into prison in 1975 you were able to take and count 
the number of prisons on one hand. In 1975, you had enough prisons uh, uh, in Michigan on one hand. Pretty much it was the Michigan Reformatory, uh, 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 um, Jackson State Prison, and Marquette Prison. That was basically it. Okay, you had the Michigan Training Unit and a few camps, <clears throat> but it blew up to over 40 plus prisons. Took up over what, some 30 some percent of the state's budget? You know, we build more prisons in the state of Michigan, and the companies know this. The companies know this. We build more prisons in the state of Michigan than we build grade schools, uh, 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 colleges, and universities together. You can put all the colleges and grade schools and, and, and universities together, and they couldn't take and compete with how fast our prisons go up. And we are creating, when we do take and create a school, being that so much of our architect and design go into prisons, our schools, our schools look like a prison cell block. Yeah. The kids that are going to school in grade school and their grade schools look like a prison cell block. They even have homes, luxury homes, that have the same damn toilet stools that they got in the county jail. And they, they feel great about it. They got stainless steel toilets. You sit down on it and it frees your darn butt. <laughs> you know, there's no longer stove anymore that you lift up. That was a prison design. Everybody, our whole industry is built around prisons now. You know, we kind of followed the ticket of Ford Motors and, and, and General Motors and Chrysler to take and make, you know, a bunch of cars like we just, you know, stamp them all out and get a million of them. And, uh, you know, it's a cookie cutter. And this is what our industry looks like in Michigan. It's no wonder when companies come here, they say, no, we'll move our headquarters somewhere else. Not here. We can continue to be excited every time a company come here. But believe me, they're not going to stay. They gone. They're not going to stay. You'll be a damn fool. If they continue to lock people up the way they do, if they continue to treat them the way they do post-incarceration, if they continue to take and deny basic uh, uh, um, encouragement and incentive for the, the, the release and the rehabilitation, it's a discouragement. So the people that are asking you for good time for prisoners, they are not asking you for something that's really detrimental to you. It's really good for you. You know, you wouldn't have to pay all those damn tax dollars. Somebody is not telling you about how much taxes you are paying. But if you notice, you no longer have alleys. They just cut your alleys off. Forget about it. You no longer have street lights. You can go up and down streets today and everything look like Halloween, like the city is accommodating your trick or treat. They cut the lights out, but they cut out all year round, 360 plus days a year. Your damn lights are gone in Michigan. You can go down. I, I, I got tinted windows. I got to at night raise my window down so I can see where I'm going. It's so damn dark. No street lights nowhere. This ain't just in the city. It's in the suburbs. In the suburbs, there's no damn lights. There's no lights nowhere. They we now have to pay not only for bottle of water. We paying for garbage. We paying for garbage. You live in an apartment building. You got to pay in addition to your you. You 
got to pay for your garbage and stuff because these are the things that we didn't took out of our tax base because we paying for prisons. You paying for prisons, damn it. You know, this is where your money going. You ain't going to never get it right. They can never take and lower your taxes anymore because your taxes is going to all of this fear mongle that you got. You take and give some of that up, open up some of these prisons, reduce the level and the number of the prisons. If we need to put people in prison, put those in prison that really need to be in there, not the ones that you, you're locking up two consenting adults in a sex act while you got a sex trade going on in the state. People are telling you, my daughter is missing. My daughter is missing. My mama is missing. My wife is missing. And we have no idea where they at. There are hundreds of women missing in the state of Michigan. Thousands of women missing in the state of Michigan. And we got polices with all these special units trying to bust two damn consenting adults in a hotel room. Well, we know where they at in the hotel room. But what we really want to know is where's our damn daughters at? Where's our daughters? There are so many girls missing now. The pimps are out of business. The pimps are out of damn business. There are so many young women are putting in the slave trade that the pimps can't even go out on Mac Avenue. Okay? That's what we're concerned about. We are not concerned about that little young brother walking around with a pistol on his side. We worried about the damn guy coming down the freeway with the big ass uh, uh, semi-diesel with the guns in the back. That's what we're concerned about, you damn fool. That's what we're concerned about. We are not concerned about people who are afraid, intimidated of crime, and they got a gun on them. And so you go lock all them up and then convince us that everything is okay now. They pay for their incarceration. Now we're finna pay for their parole. Now mm -hmm. we're finna pay for their chatter. <clears throat> but the guy that's coming today with guns in the back of the truck, the police or somebody is on his payroll because he never get caught. He never get caught. We never hear about him. But we know about the people they arrest in Detroit every time there is an upkick in the, in the crime. We go arrest the college student that's afraid they got a gun on his side or, or, or the sister that got a gun in her purse. We know about their arrest, but it doesn't address crimes. You only addressing people with fear. You're locking people up who are fearful, okay? You're locking people up who are fearful. You ain't locking nobody up that's committing a real crime. You lock the John up and, 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 the, and the woman up or the guy up that's in a hotel together. But the ones that done took and took dozens of women off the street, dozens of young girls on their way to school, we can't find them. We haven't seen them. And when we do find them, we come to find out like a damn, like a, like a dog, they've been held somewhere and, 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 and used in a sex trade. And you think that we got confidence in you. You wonder where our relationship went wrong with our law enforcement. Please, please. You know what you can do with that blue uniform? Please. Come on, cut the mic off on me before I go there. <laughs> go ahead, Robert <laughs> No, you know, it, I was, I, I'm just telling you, I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. And these are the concerns that we have to take into consideration in our own communities. We're not hearing the voices of the young girls and the parents as they cry out my son, that somebody's missing. 
but we will latch on to whatever's being propagated to us. And this is this is what we're here for is to recognize where can we fit in and and get this to stop. Mm-hmm. What action can I take on a personal note? What action can I take within my own family? Uh, it's easy because the way United States is established, it's corporate driven. Mm-hmm. And and you got to know that first. Yeah. You know, no, they're not. They don't care about you as a person. They do have greater concern for corporations and for the dollars that are going to a few a few people. So how do we turn this around? And then ask yourself, are you getting involved in areas that can help turn this around? Because I believe it can be turned around, but it it does take us being more concerned about us than looking and waiting for somebody outside of us Mm -hmm. to participate. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it has to be us that decide, okay, no more enough. We haven't said enough yet. It's not enough for you yet. (laughs) I feel, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm feeling like enough. There are times I wake up, I'll hear the news and I have to cut everything off and, and remember something good, refocus on good things happening so that I can address in my own way, what things are not in alignment with the truth. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do? What are you going to do? And this is what I ask people every day. What, what's your response? Because ignoring it and pretending that it's going to go away, that's not going to do it. Mm-mm. That's not going to do it. Are, are you one? Did you go? Did you even vote? First of all, did you speak out? Second of all, do you know who's in your corner? Do you know the wolves that are dressed up in sheep clothing? And, and identify these people and call them out. And I just think, uh, you know, people get upset, but if we're paying for all this artificial intelligence to do what the police should do, why don't I see a decrease in the budget? I tell you, Jay, we got a long way to go. But listen, I believe that there are answers and solutions for everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. And, you know, even though that that group that went out as advocates was a nonprofit. That's the one thing that upset me is they had to have a nonprofit to go out and take the place of humanity that could have been done within the guise of policing. If policing was done in a human form, if it was done to respect humanity and to really serve the people. Mm-hmm. But you have a nonprofit who has to to <laughs> be compensated by outside grants and, and other measures of giving in order to protect people who have mental health conditions. And so I, I immediately when I saw that, I called you and I said, is this what we need to do? But then if we do this, I believe the money should be coming. It shouldn't be a nonprofit it ought to come from from a budget that obviously they getting paid to do something other than what they're doing. Right. 
Right, because humanity always has to be nonprofit. Everything right. else is profitable. <laughs> that takes away from it. Ridiculous. Exactly. So this was a great conversation, you guys. I really am glad that we came on today um, to just tap in into the community and what we have to look forward to, what we should be looking forward to. And, and while we're off with our families to engage in conversation, you know, talk about what it really look, what do your world really look like? What do you want it to look like? And then, you know, get engaged, get involved. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're talk they're talking about, you know, the Democrats of Michigan are talking like they really won the big prize. So <laughs> while they're, you know, celebrating and you know, acting like they won the big prize, it's up to us to, you know, get something. We deserve a prize. We deserve to win. You know, we went out here. A lot of, you know, Edward brought it up. A lot of, you know, formerly incarcerated people were out here paving these streets, getting people to vote. So we are deserving of, you know, legislation that will help bring us back into good standing in our community. Mm -hmm. So that's right. That's right. We are deserving of that. And so we have to unify work together and get the job done, not only for ourselves, but for our, you know, children and their children and for those who become after us, you know, they're deserving as well. And it is what our duty, <laughs> that's what's what we should be out here doing is getting, a, getting it together because we have been robbed of so much. So I want to just thank everyone for joining us. Trisha, do you have something to say before we leave? Nothing for us, without us. Stop listening to the oppressors. Tell us what's best for us. Decolonize your mind. If you sat around and ate turkey yesterday and you didn't have a conversation with your family about the state of Black America, then you too are part of the problem. And lastly, if you are not working every day, and I mean every day, to dismantle systems of oppression. You cannot claim to be an anti-racist. You cannot claim to be a reformist. You cannot claim to be progressive. These are not hot button topics in terms. It's a way of life. Mm -hmm. Activism is a way of life. We don't need selective and progressive, uh, selective progressive activism. We need people that are gonna stay at the table, unify, sure work together, understand that our differences, oh, this is the last one for real, understand that our differences are what make us stronger. We keep looking for everybody to come in the same form or fashion, but when you sit down and put together a puzzle, you pick up each piece of that puzzle, each piece looks different. But doggone it, when you put that sucker together, if one of them pieces is missing, your puzzle is incomplete. We all got to realize that we need each other to survive and to fight this fight. Peace. Yes. And also, Trisha, um, for um, the families of Earl and, and Danny, we're sending our love to all the advocates, yes. all the community that love them so much. 
We feel you and we love you. And we just want you to know, I think it's going to be another candlelight tomorrow. Um, I think it's at 5 p.m. at the place where Danny was gunned down at. Um, let's just, just say a prayer for everyone and just hold everyone in our hearts because, you know, especially going back to that place, that is something that is going to be so traumatic. Um, so like Jay said, just prayers. You know, we, we have took a hell of a loss with these two individuals. And we also want to hold up Kim yeah. uh, uh, from Redeeming Kimberly, who on the night that we were standing um, together for Danny, her father-in-law died. You know, so it's just been a lot of blows. And this is why we can't afford to be arguing about petty things that don't matter because we're losing one another, you know? So we got to come together. We got to show each other love. You know, love cancels out all hate. Mm -hmm. Love cancels out all hate. And so we must, we must leave with that. But don't think though, just because I love you don't mean I won't tell you a harsh truth because if I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're praying for you guys. Rabatia, do you want to leave us? Close it out, Rabatia. Yes, I just want to say that, um, you know, as we come together, just know that it begins within you. It begins within each of us. And we, like Trisha said, love cancels out everything, and it even cancels out fear. Mm. Being afraid is not an option today. Walk in your truth. Walk in your truth and believe that. Just know that, yes, there is a way. There's a way. There's a way to get through. There's a way to make change. And it begins with us. And once we unite, I, I looked at the comments. There were several points. People kept saying, we got to come together. We got to come together. Yes, we've been saying we got to come together. And I believe as we continue to form circles that are united and we don't allow anything to come within it to break the chain. That chain is justice. Yeah. And when you stand for justice and you, you decide that, no, I'm not backing down at all, no matter what, fear goes away, hate goes away. You see all humanity and you want the best for everybody. And believe me, I know justice is ours today. All of these walls have to come down that have been built upon oppression. And now is the time. Yeah. Yes, Reverend Tia. So thank you, Edward, for um, joining us today. Hopefully we see you again soon. <laughs> we miss your voice. <laughs> and thank you, Attorney Mack. And we'll see you guys next week on Turning a Moment into a Movement. Good night, everyone. Amen. God bless.